Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Franda. Today on the show, I'm super honored to have a personal bucket list guest of mine, Preet Mikkelsen. Preet is an Estonian black belt under SBG founder Matt Thornton, and he's a member of the BJJ Globetrotters. I can't stress this enough. In my opinion, Preet is the most important mind, researcher, and possibly voice on defensive BJJ at present. His positional teachings have been quietly revolutionizing BJJ for years. If you're an older player, a smaller player, or just interested in improving your defense, Preet's material is a mandatory study. As I state in the episode, his take on the turtle should be one of the first things White Belt gets proficient at. His updated turtle position is akin to going from a time when we did not use wheels on luggage to the day someone decided to put them on, and the rest of us were left wondering why we did not do that all along. A few years ago, I thought it a shame that more were not adopting his findings, largely in part due to tradition, his sometimes curt delivery, and being ahead of his time. However, it seems the ice is thawing, and people are finally getting on board with his defensive positions and concepts. Okay, some housekeeping notes. This is an advanced, defensive discussion of Preet's positional concepts. As such, I would highly recommend you go to the Forever White Belt Facebook page and view the related videos as context, or just search his basic material on YouTube. You will hear us using terms like hawking, panda, running man, grilled chicken, seal feet, and more with the expectation that you have at least a familiarity with what those are. Also, Preet makes reference to Tellus a few times during the show. He's talking about the legendary Eduardo Tellas, famous for his dangerous turtle game. Just a reminder, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or just share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. And leave us feedback and suggestions at anchor.fm forward slash forever white belt. You can also be a patron by clicking the support us button on that same page. Also, like our Facebook page to get all the latest at facebook.com forward slash forever white belt. And check us out on Instagram at forever white belt show. Hey, it's the holidays. Buy some stuff for your friends and yourself. Go get some Forever White Belt merch at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. We're selling everything at cost during the holidays. So go check that out. And with that, I give you Preet Mikkelsen. Welcome to the show, Preet. Happy to be here. Thank you. As I was mentioning before, I'm a longtime stalker of you, Preet. Uh, defensive BJJ, and for years I've been watching your videos lurking, if you will, on YouTube for a long time. And being an older player, I've found that defense is clutch for people and not being the strongest guy in the world. I found that your system has been uh, critical for someone like myself. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> for me also, it's kind of like a fun t- that my game has come to that as I'm getting older, so that the way I play or develop or do my research it allows me, I would think that to play longer jiu-jitsu and uh, it's not very bone cranking. I can still develop some different skills, but defensively, I think I can hold my own against younger people also if I have to. So I'm very happy that it all has drifted in a right time towards that kind of way of able to roll. People out there, you got to check out Preet's videos if you haven't already. He's super well known for his turtle, obviously. To be quite frank, I think your turtle should be taught in every single Jiu-Jitsu Academy day one, I think, to, you know, white belts. <laughs> uh, and it's it's shocking that it's not, to be frank. And even now with your material, especially the turtle material being out for so long and variations of it, what are we on, Turtle 2.0 now or something? Yeah, it's just bizarre that I still encounter a majority of bad turtles out there. It is, you know, I, I also like it because that means I have work to do. 
and would be a sad day if I run out of work, you know. So, but in a way, I understand you. So it's it's kind of a half joke that I would I, I would wish I would meet decent turtles, but most cases people turtle. Then I see they're not the people that play there. They do their elbows on a mat and like typical stuff you see in YouTube. Yeah. And so I'm happy and I'm sad at the same time. And so bit by bit, let's say if I say I'm trying to make a change, but I, I guess the point is that if what I present works better than the previous knowledge, people should change. Yeah. So if I will be proven wrong, and then I will probably change myself and do something else, some other turtle. But in that sense, I'm trying to make a change that nobody can, or let's say if that, that turtle proves to be superior to the old way of doing turtles, mm-hmm. people should change. And uh, that's what I'm trying. And until I'm, so to speak, right, until that day, I'm trying to push it. So change is hard and I meet all the time resistance and I like it. They make me question my things and I'm always in doubt what I do also. But uh, so far we're doing good and bread is slow. And that's what I also enjoy about it because that it helps us to weed out the bugs. Just to quickly describe your particular turtle in a really crude, quick way. It seems like, as you were mentioning, the old school turtle is sort of quad, right? Four limbs on the ground. And with your turtle, it seems to be almost like a tripod, forehead down. Your hands are free to defend and you have your knees in a sort of a whitish position in order to secure base to some extent. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. So head on a mat, uh, elbows in a hip flexor position. So they're more out. The people say it's more out than they first they like to, but then they understand they're safe. And uh, I don't know. It's my turtle. I don't think the people have seen, but Hiras Sahabi actually have showed that he, he does the similar turtle. I don't know what video it was, but he was showing that also. On, I don't know how he got it. So that will be uh, one day I will ask him like, because I know Danner guys, Gordon Ryan did his, you know, open turtle, closed turtle that I guess I disagree with. There's also third one they didn't address, head on a mat, the knees wide, that the pulling the hip on a mat to the athletic position or whatever. Mm-hmm. It should be also addressed as a turtle, how to deal with that. And so there is a third position that we promote because it seems to cancel a lot of the flaws that more open turtle has, like a traditional one, your elbows in, you know, have a neck protecting the arms and then hooks and a lot of things are possible. Mm. I myself, actually, I play very open these days, close to uh, like a referee position in wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's more fun. And then I play with more openness and then I do reaction stuff, kind of like pulling elbows in and, and playing like this uh, to lure more people in to get seat belts and, and then everything else. But let's say that turtle, what we talked about is more that I, when I start from, it's very closed. So it pr- provides the most safeness, so to speak, to shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And then people can open up or then we're figuring out and researching how much you can open up. And, you know, like a boxer, it's like first they teach you to bring your chin down and box. But if you watch actually boxing matches, not all the time the chin is down. And so if you know boxing, you can break all the rules and make it yours, so to speak. So that's the beginning structure. And it seems to solve a lot of problems that the, so to speak, traditional turtle has. So that's the reason we're promoting it. And so far it holds true. It's funny you bring up boxing because one of the things I noticed in several of your videos a long time ago, and I have to rewatch and rewatch these things to sort of get them because there's a lot of detail and articulation in these videos, is you often mention the jab-jab analogy. And I'm like, what does he mean by jab-jab-jab-jab all the time in terms of all of these positions, in terms of its totality sort of in a way? Can you explain what you mean when you're describing this type of analogy to people? So it should be a game. It should be a push and pull, left and right. And that I think the boxing describes that jab, jab, cross, you know, you hit, hit high, hit low, and then hook. 
So it's about the setups. You know, if the defense is solid, how do you set up your punches? If defense is shit, so to speak, then I guess people can punch one, two, whatever they want. But if the defense is solid, so how do you open up? I didn't learn jiu-jitsu like this. So I'm inviting people to the journey of trying to teach jiu-jitsu more as a sport. So that's what I'm advocating. I don't like it as an art. I think it's a sport and should train as a sport, like skill. I'm trying to teach also survival using opposites that I shrimp into you and then I'm going away from you. So I push, push into you. And then because you usually push back, so it accelerates me going you know, away from you. And mm-hmm. if you don't resist, so to speak, if I shrimp in, then probably I can do it. You know, if I jab, jab, and there's nothing there, I can still jab you in the face, but I expect to have defense there. Mm-hmm. So maybe I go jab, jab, and a hook, you know, and then I cross with a uh, like a backhand. So I try to open it up. So I'm trying to use uh, similar things when I'm teaching jiu-jitsu, how to set up things. We have a running man and panda and turtle, let's say. So I can sit up and I go, I, do, I can do turtle. So I can fake a sit up. And that means if I'm, say, sideways, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I can go sit up or I can go to turtle. And so if I fake a sit-up, that means you're going to move your weight towards my upper body and going to stop that. But that accelerates my turtle. So I'm going to use you because if I just go to turtle, you could say that it's easier to time, but I want to confuse you. I want to use misdirections. Mm-hmm. And also I'm going to maybe check one time I sit up. I see what you do. Maybe second time sit up, you know, a little bit. I see that. Do you lean forward? Do you give me that turtle weight? Or if there's nothing there, I'm going to sit up fully. I'm going to try to pre-trigger your traps. Right. So I'm using this like every other sport does, basketball, boxing, because I know it's a trap. So that's why sometimes people, you know, like jab carefully because Mm -hmm. they want to like, if I jab strongly, you can slip and punch me back. So I want to jab gently just as a, like a fake. So I want to see how you react. So I I don't want to walk into the trap. Hmm. I I pre-trigger the traps. I don't use maybe exact boxing terms, how boxers use it, you know, in that sense. If anybody's a boxing enthusiast, then forgive me, I guess, because everything seems to work in wrestling, in judo, you know, in boxing, in basketball, making combinations, triggering defenses, and then running them over with the different rhythm patterns. So everybody does this. So we should too. I think athletes maybe do it by nature and maybe some even people, competitors, mostly, I think maybe they train like this, but everyday people, I don't think they train as a sport. So I think it's, you know, if you consider half an hour warm up and then three techniques randomly and then you spar, it's, a, let's say, the typical structure of the class that I resist. So there's no sport aspect there. And then they roll and then rolling is usually different than they learn techniques. So I would think that ideally the drilling the techniques or the part that should be a very closely similar to the sparring situation, then it could fit really into the sparring. You don't have to adapt to it. You know, if you do a, like arm bar, and then in a sparring, it works differently, then it's a problem of the coach. You know, if you teach a jab cross and then you do it in a sparring, but it doesn't work like that. It's a jab, jab, cross. It's a jab, pause, and then a cross. It's different rhythms. So you have to teach mm-hmm. all those and then you play with them. But there has to be working techniques that you can use in sparring, not just jab, cross and rhythm part you figure out yourself. Mm. There, there is patterns that we know that work after hundreds of years, you know. And then we should do it also in jiu-jitsu that we should have certain way of teaching even like a regular arm bars from side control example, that they could work exactly the same as they would work in a sparring. They, that they, it shouldn't be added anything, some layers in sparring, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that becomes like, okay, should be a defense there, good defense and then attack. And then we do games that one person is meant to win and one is lose. That's a game. And then we just raise resistance to that. And finally, it becomes a sparring level. But then people actually learn skill that then apply one-on-one to sparring. 
Otherwise, you, typically it's like an arm bar. And then, you know, second technique, third, and then you roll. But in sparring, everything is different, you know. And then mat rats will figure it out. But everyday people have a harder time doing that. And in one of your videos, I remember hearing you say something where you illustrated why in close guard, is this more of sort of a sound starting position versus a side control drill where someone suddenly gets the head and arm. They are so advanced in, in terms of positionally versus like a close guard type of drill. Do you find these poor starting positions in terms of teaching all over the place in jujitsu? Explain to me more poor starting positions. I think you were saying in a typical side control drill, someone has their arm under your head. They're grabbing potentially your arm. Okay, already. they already have cross face under the hook. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I mentioned that. It's actually funny that not many people have thought about it. Yeah. So in close guard, yeah, the attitude would be we give them nothing, you know? So everything is super early. You have your frames and then you're looking for, you know, survival, I guess. And then you're looking for opening. Hmm. So you give them nothing, so to speak. And then I think in mount, most people start with the hip frame, sort of, you know, and yeah. it's still there you're in mount, but you still haven't given everything away. So why the hell in side control, mostly mm. we start from cross face and underhook. Why is just start like they're in side control and they have, I don't know what, but not underhook and cross face. Mm-hmm. So why not start in mount then with uh, right away day one with cross face and uh, underhook and then try to do your elbow knee escape. And so it's already deeper trouble. So that's also the message I've been telling people. And I meet a lot of people that actually haven't thought about that. Huh, it is different than in one close guard. We emphasize total safety and really early. And then it's maybe sporing. You can give more away, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But why do you start already in trouble, so to speak? And also it builds bad habits in beginners because they know how to escape from there. They don't have any earlier reflexes and they're waiting until they get stuck. And that's normal for them. Mm-hmm. But in guard, it's different attitude totally. So I, I resist that. So I think, I guess the guard attitude is good. A mount one could be decent, but yeah, side control, I don't know why it's that messed up or how people maybe don't know how to be in side control without having their cross face underhook grips. And, you know, maybe they feel like it's not a position then if you don't have certain handles, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I find that this cross face underhook is maybe like a third or fourth layer of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are already giving good people cross face underhooks, uh, you know, you're meant to have a harder time. There's a, a few other positions that you're known for as well. Obviously, uh, now we're on Hawking 3.0, I believe. And then we have Running Man, Panda, and something called the Baby Bridge. They all tied together. You know, what's funny is what I've sort of experienced is that someone needs to go through each of these and really develop each of these. It seems like when you're starting your journey in, in these type of positions, and I find myself gravitating towards one, like a Hawking, for instance. And then I find myself, okay. it's sort of like the hammer and the nail situation where I start using Hawking for everything. As some of you may not know, Preet has us members of Defensive BJJ homework of the month. And one of the homework months was running man, for instance. Well, you can describe the position pre, but what I find is I just want to go back to hockey. You know what I mean? Because when you get into running man, I'm just so, you know, terrible at it because it's like this weird new thing. And I just want to get back up and play from there. Are you finding uh, that type of thing with students? That's a human nature because also, I guess I'm very comfortable of overall what I'm doing and playing back forward. And then because I'm very comfortable, I'm trying to also learn more about it. You know, I don't develop my guard passing much because I'm so comfortable of playing with back towards opponents, you know, and being those this defensive guy. So mm-hmm. you have a smaller chunk. You like hawking and you maybe are not good in running man. So I would say defensively, I think you need to expand. But also, I would say in a way, I don't care. If your conscious choice is using hawking for everything, then so be it. I think if you have stuff like running man turtle, you would need that because sometimes you pushed out of hawking and... You need transitions, but you can also be train yourself to be so stubborn 
that you use everything for hawking. Mm-hmm. So I think that what I do and the guard passing, I mentioned that I don't develop that so much because I'm in a comfort zone and I like to you know study that defense. But I think your case would be a little bit different. So it's one chunk that you still need. But I think also it's a human nature in that sense that you're getting comfortable and then learning something new again. But if you have that problem, I always recommend to remember that Hawking wasn't also that pleasant in the beginning. And you just played with that and then you got better at this. So as a system, I think those positions, they all have their purpose. I think most of them are 2.0 at the moment. Panda is not. So Running Man 2.0, Hawking, I think Turtle, you could name it 2.0, but you know, it's only toes on a mat has changed. So maybe, maybe not. And also, if you train something new, the secret is always take somebody lesser skilled than you, then training new things is not that terrible. If you have your own kind Mm -hmm. and you want to train something new, then usually it's the frustration is, let's say, a double because uh, you're trying something new and they can attack fully and they're kind of your level also. So learning new things is harder. Mm -hmm. That's why I always say, like, if you have a possibility, take somebody lesser skilled that makes learning new stuff always good or... Be smart about how you learn, develop skill in a way environment that uh, you have adaptive resistance. So tell people that they cannot win and they have to try you this and give, try to give you this. And then to give something back, you go like maybe one round, you do their nice adaptive resistance. So you can train stuff, you know, as a running man and second round, they can go full on and attack your running man. And third round, you go again, like lower resistance. So they give you success and you can fix your mistakes. So they're willing to do that one round for you if they get to attack another round, you know? So this way, I think just it's easier to make things quicker, comfortable, because if you don't like running, man, this is the way to make them really quickly more comfortable so you can actually start to train them. Because I still find as a full system works together, it's it's benefit to know them all. And all the positions should be strong enough that you're willing to move between them, not avoid them. So I feel everything still has a purpose. The system couldn't be like if the one position is missing, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, would you say with all the positions that they're mainly sort of temporary positions that they shouldn't be stayed in quite a long time? I've always felt that way about Panda, which Panda is essentially for you people that are listening, kind of a sitting up position, your elbows tight and the hip flexors again. And it just seems like it's one of those definite transitionaries type of positions for myself where you can go from, let's say, hawking to a Panda or even running man to a Panda. And it seems to be like this very transitionary position. I have a hard time actually doing the wrestler stand up from there with the, you know, push down or whatever of the, of the hands, but I find it really effective in terms of just kind of grambying or sort of rolling from a panda position. Are all these positions like intended to be sort of quick transitional positions? No, that's, I think the panda is, uh, let's call it less stable because of its height. Your head is the highest. So they, and then I, I actually find it depends also on our opponent a little bit, what they are trying to do, but I can stay there also. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I have a wide base of my legs are wide. So if they tend to push and pull me in directions, then I guess I go to running man or panda or whatever. So I don't feel it's losing because if they just pull me or push me somewhere, I can go forward to turtles. So I guess the system is, it's hard to say how it's meant to be, so to speak, mm-hmm. because you can do whatever you want with it. Because depending on circumstances, you know, not, not everybody trains for, a, you know, self-defense or MMA or something. So all the positions you can camp out. You can stay there. I'm not saying forever, but pretty long. And you can just never escape and move around between them. And I guess it's fun to add escapes and willingness to go at will or create openings because 
when you, you compete there, want to go a little bit harder, then you have to find a ways out. I would guess it's everybody's responsibility to add things. Otherwise, you feel shortcomings that you actually roll and you can't escape, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to have that skill. But I think that both positions can't be like the positions you camp out. Or I guess the ideal goal is to never stop. So that's what I'm, uh, if I start teaching, I teach static positions. Then I teach transitioning between them. Then I always add the, the third clause, that is you never stop. Mm. So that's why how you create those scrambles, you know, you're always a moving target and everything becomes a transition, but it's hard to start right away teaching right away. Like everything is moving because it's a full body coordination. Mm-hmm. So that's why we use still frames that we can separate as we call it trenches. And then we teach them how to keep them long enough and then transition and then they never stop. And I guess then you have both ends. You have a never stop ending because you can always move and transition whatever you want, or you can stay still. And then I guess the real life happens before between them that, that you sometimes you keep the position, then you move, then you move less, then you move more. It's about you to make it work because the circumstances are changing, different opponents, different level of tiredness, a different environment where you do this mm-hmm. competition, not competition. So then I tell people, you have a freedom? You can use, uh, it's a tool and you can use it the way you want. You want to be the biggest staller in a, in a biggest camper in the world. You can just never leave this place and use it in an extreme, maybe not in a most popular way, you know, mm-hmm. or if you want to make it really hard, try to never stop, always move around. I, this is usually what I tell to more, let's say, I don't know, advanced people or who, if you're like a good in the system and you roll with a beginner. Mm-hmm. Let's say, or if you're like rolling with somebody significantly lesser weight, then because they cannot break it because they're smaller. Yeah. So if you use all the structure, it's meant to that, whatever. So 10 kilo, 15 kilo smaller, they're not going to break it. But then the key is what to train with them is never stop because they're lighter. So it's easier to move all, all the time because if you heavier, if you start to do this all with heavier opponent, your movement is inefficient and then you get more tired because they're as heavy as you. So to actually develop movement, you need to train it with a lesser weight people. Hmm. So you can do all the wrong things and finally find out the most efficient way to move also with a lighter person. And hmm. then you try to adapt it also to the bigger people. So this is also one way. So I think the system should be used as a, you know, I'm not trying in a bad way, like stalling, camping out and movement. And then both extremes are there and then you're responsible now. So you use it as you want. That rolls nicely into the next thing I want to talk about here was what's funny. Some people are saying a video that sort of broke Reddit. Got it was a video of a gentleman <laughs> yes. in Europe in a tournament. The Nogi version was the one I saw and he was using a lot of your system and basically finishing I was filming, eventually you know, with the yeah. with the heel hook. That's right. Can you talk about that video? Yes, it actually, it yeah broke Reddit right now. I think in the time we to speaking this during the podcast is like thirty one thousand views, <laughs> and uh, over four hundred comments. I think in uh, YouTube and five hundred in Reddit or something. So what we did, what seems to be very hard to understand for people, and then people always throw this: uh, you shouldn't do it in a fight, and you shouldn't do this in self defense, and everything else. So it's actually, for me, it's it's hard to understand how they missed the point. But I guess also my fault was I didn't explain it fully. Mm-hmm. I said we went to test and it was obvious, I guess, for me. So we decided with Raul that he wants to do ADCC trials, I guess, in a couple of years or whatever. He tried that right now and he won one and then lost second one. So he wants to do it again at some point, you know, build it up and compete in ADCC. So we made a plan that, you know, let's test also our defensive skills because he likes to compete and not every competition has to be about winning. 
It has to be about testing also your skills to prepare for the higher test because we have to know that our defensive structure stands. And how do we start this? By having local competitions. And if we can do it there, that gives us proof that maybe also the better guys cannot go through or because also we have to enter some bigger competitions. So we decided that the matches were quite short, five minutes. And we thought that both the absolute and the adult category was round robin. So we thought that the adults, they guaranteed us in four matches. And if we won them, then we had two more. And we thought that Absolute had also that round robbing stuff. But later we, we found out that actually it was brackets. So in Absolute, it was a bigger risk because if we were lost, then you know we were out right away. So we didn't know that. I guess that was our fault. But the idea was that we said that we're going to test defensive stuff, the layers that Roll was willing to test at the moment. The first layers, I would say, the Running Man, Panda and Turtle. We didn't go test the Hawking yet. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to test at two, maximum three minutes. So then we had time to also attack and, you know, not maybe win by submission like he did, but just get some points, you know, or whatever. So it's just to solidify the, the win maybe. And we had time to look for points and stuff. And that's what happened. Raul played really tightly. The layers, he's quite good. And then he was willing to test them. That uh, absolute was, I think we met uh, white, uh, we met uh, purple belts and black belts, I think. I think we met two purples and then one black belt. And they, they didn't know what to do with that. And then Raul, you know, I set the time and then Raul went to attacking mode. And then, you know, the leg locks are his, his thing. And strangely, it's a match made in heaven with the defensive structures. It is. And and then in um, adult category, we did the same thing. I think the one match was he was right away went to attacking mode, but most of them went right away. Turtle testing, giving turning people back. And I guess before I forget this, that people are like, yeah, he's just so much better than him, everybody. Yeah. And I, I wrote to people like, hey, be that guy that goes to tournament without knowing any opponents and turn your back for two minutes and see what happens. Mm. Are you willing to do that? Mm. So we didn't know those opponents. We didn't know what they're about. So it, of course, it's easy to say afterwards, oh yeah, he was so better. You could have you know, done this and that. But we didn't know at the time we took the risk. We went like, okay, let's show our back to two, maximum three minutes to unknown opponents. In a absolute category was all levels. So there was even, mm-hmm. I think, one white belt we didn't meet. And the adult level was advanced. Mm-hmm. So it was purple belts and up. And then one guy actually who backed away from turtle, you know, it was a brown belt and stuff. So, yeah. and the black belt, the one black belt that ended up winning the bracket because of just one mixture because Raul had one walkover. So he got like a minimum points for that. And he didn't end up, he didn't end up actually winning the bracket. Mm. And then he got third place because one guy was walkover and there mm. was like a glitch in the system. So we didn't met the Polish black belt. I'm not going to say that, you know, oh, we could beat him, whatever this, you know, speculative, but I think it would have been a good match. So mm. it was a decent advanced level. And what's the criticism also has been that, uh, you know, they looked as a beginners, they didn't know what to do. But I would say because people don't play the, the turtle we play, a lot of people don't. The first layers of turtles, if you really concentrate down on a really like, you know, elbows close and use your strengths and everything, it has an effect of making people, top people look less skilled than they actually are because there's no opening. So if you give mm-hmm. them a seatbelt, clearly, the, you know, YouTube starts to work more. But if you just deny all the grips and so they look less competent, they were competent. I'm just saying that layers made them look less competent. Mm-hmm. And that was the point of that to find out then if Raul gets in trouble, you know, after a guard pass, maybe in the future he has to, you know, go to turtle to avoid points. Can he withstand long enough that he could gain guard? And what's also the people, what they really misunderstood was 
you know, it was like, oh, in an MMA fight, I would kick you or blah, blah, blah. And why didn't he attack sooner? Because he could and he was just stalling. So there's different layers of fertile defense. And I think the jiu-jitsu environment, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm a MMA expert, but to test a layer, the jiu-jitsu environment is perfect for that. Because I know that, you know, you go to comp- competition to compete. That's obvious, Yeah. So we were expecting also some stalling calls if necessary and everything else. So playing by the rules and, you know, but how do we know that some layers work? So we tested. And of course, we could have escaped earlier and stood up and inverted earlier to leg locks, but then we couldn't find out how the layers work. So by forcing us to stay there longer than we had to, we gave opponents enough time to challenge that and to test those layers. And then it was like, okay, they maybe could find anything and then we go. So that's what people also said, like the criticism was, uh, oh, uh, he was just stalling or um, I would punch you. Because maybe realistically, somebody passes guard, I go to turtle, stand up, invert right away. But because of the rules, we could stay there. And uh, maybe second time, maybe you go test some other layer and then third layer. And then we test all the layers that individually they hold water. And then we know. And of course, we try doing a real fight when it matters and brackets and stuff. We can use them less, so to speak, in a shorter time because we don't want to give opponents too much time to figure stuff out also. But then we know at least they withstand two minutes. And then we, we know we have time and uh, Raul doesn't freak out because some competitions when there's like, a, let's say, brackets, then I guess win matter and Raul would compete differently. So he, we get some experience how to play the rules and blah, blah, blah mm. to win. And those round, round robin competitions, when mm-hmm. everybody fights everybody, those competitions give us opportunity to test. And also we were expecting also to lose some of the matches. And the risk was that, you know, maybe he gets the back taken and everything else. But one match actually, you know, that he almost got back taken. And so he did some mistake in Panda and, you know, wrong choice. He got away with stuff also. So that was a, like a good feedback that what he's been developing at the moment and fixing. So that's all the reasons why we behaved like this. So to find out, we wouldn't be afraid of using it more in a more higher level. We will still maybe test it again in some competition, maybe almost let them have underhook, then pummel it back, you know, maybe almost give people seatbelt and maybe not. We try to develop it longer. So we'll see how long it lasts so we could not use it as much. And we're hoping to meet different, you know, purples and up in advanced level. So that's the price of testing. And it actually, yeah, it boggled my mind that people didn't understand that that's the price of testing, that you should stay there. And of course, we could have escaped, but we didn't want to. And that only submission without punches allows us to find out. So maybe in a real fight or whatever that means, even we know that we're safe, we don't panic and we can just pick an escape sooner, you know? Yeah. So that was really like, I was really confused. And uh, Reddit is a weird place because you never know who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I think it's a good place, but also I think some people have alienated. I know from the Reddit because, you know, you sometimes you discuss with 12-year-old people there because you don't know their level. I know some people just lurk around. Some don't speak. They're right. And some are really opinionated. So it is what it is. It's still a platform, but it was kind of hard to discuss things there. I know I'm kind of blunt also, and I have some criticism about it, that why I'm so defensive, pun intended. But I f- sometimes feel that mostly that if you're criticizing my work, you should be aware of my, of my work. Mm. So if you're not aware, then I can dismiss the criticism because it's misplaced. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to be like, uh, I don't mind criticism, but then you really have to know what I do. Mm-hmm. And maybe two years ago, 
some things would be right, but now we're doing something, we're evolving always, because in one point I just mentioned that, you know, we have a systems against, you know, Tarikoplata, almost done, arm bars, kimuras, side chokes, you know, twisters, backs, and it's all answered, let's say, by hawking. And, and then somebody said, oh, yeah, it's easy then when you bowled up and nothing works. I was like, but clearly that's, then you don't know what I do because I give arm bars away and then, you know, I'm trying to escape them. It's not like I'm just giving nothing and that's my defense against everything, you know? So a lot of it uh, was misplaced and, you know, it is what it is. It's still fun to talk and there were some meaningful conversations, but I think the call out would be to Redditors or whatever, whoever wants to. I'm, if you're willing to discuss and really want to know and we can disagree, agree to disagree later also. I'm always willing to do like uh, Skype calls or, you know, Zoom calls to discuss with people. But then I see, you know, and then we have to understand the context and, you know, what's their experience and everything. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you, you don't know who you're talking to there. So that's usually right, right. the problem. It seems like, you know, we all know that if in order to make change and especially change that may be so deeply rooted that you need someone to run and take all the arrows initially, you just do. And that seems to be you in this instance. So the rest of us can kind of flank and keep moving with your moment, with your initial momentum. So, I mean, yeah. I hate to say it, but it seems to be that way. But when I watched this video, I saw nothing but upside because I guess because I was a proponent or I am a proponent of defensive EJJ. What I saw was like, finally, we're addressing the issue where a lot of people say, okay, this is all great defense, but what are you going to do in competition? Is just going to sit there and stall, whatever. Yeah. But what we saw was a transition of defense and offense. And so yeah. it was beautiful in that sense, you know, we're like, oh, cool. We're finally seeing the transition of defense being one component of the game, but look how well it's sort of hand in glove with the offense as well. Yeah. So that's the criticism also, like uh, maybe three, four years when I started with this more camps and stuff. And definitely I was more, you know, also myself more stalling and keeping more closed. Mm -hmm. These days, I'm very open, just mm -hmm. giving everything away and, you know, mm -hmm. then trying to explore more. And uh, yeah, like you said, this was has been people's criticism. And even I think this year, Iceland camp, I think it was mm -hmm. one of my friends, uh, Black Belt also, we rolled. He's a little bit lighter weight than me. But then he was also like super surprised. Oh, but you do like you defend and attack in the same time. And it's like not being so static and you can attack from bottom. I was like, of course mm -hmm. we do this. But then, you know, I cannot to teach this because if I come and do the camp, people not in that level. I start from the beginning. Right? Yeah, I got mm -hmm. the beginning and then it looks more static. But it's your mistake to assume that I don't know that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm always going to throw this like I've done jujitsu 21 years. So I know so I could also live in a, you know, some bubble, you know, and just dismiss everything and live in my own mind. But <laughs> I'm trying to always doubt myself. And of course, it's not that static all the time. And I attack from the bottom with Kimuras. I'm, I do Americanas from bottom, actually. And I do bridge and rolls and stuff. And I dars people from bottom. So it's point is to that if I'm free in a bottom, I'm not afraid and I'm defensively solid. I can, you know, escape or attack back or do whatever I, I want. It's mm -hmm. like freedom after that. And now it depends on the environment because, you know, in a competition, if you have time, maybe it makes sense as a safer option to go for, you know, the pull guard, you know, or, you know, then, then start to attack there. But if mm -hmm. you have like a minute left, you don't have any time to pull guard and then, you know, offense, you have to attack from there. Mm -hmm. So, in that sense, the system, good system, bottom system should allow everything. Mm -hmm. That depends on a time frame. You can attack, you can defend, you can stand up, pull guard, be more safer, or just go for Hail Marys. And But you have to know that you have done those things in, you know, in gym at least. And you definitely should attack. Escaping is important. 
And uh, that's what also people sometimes, why don't you show escapes? And I'm really on the bottom of my art. I don't think they're important. I think I can do everything in the bottom, escapes and submissions. And uh, But I want that part to be like uh, the, for people to figure out themselves. I'm making yourself and super bored. And then your job is to do the other half. Take somebody less skilled and start to explore like I did. Stop being like spoon fed or go to YouTube, you know? So that's usually my message. Of course, I'm have to show something also on my sites in some point, but it's like not everything has to be given to you. Hmm. And if there's a structure, go study, go figure it out. Show me how much you like it, you know? Hmm. And then you can say you did it, you know? So I think that's way important than just somebody did it for you. And that information is really not hard to find. The defensive structure is hard to find and figure out that that's, I guess, what I do. But how do I escape an attack is not really hard. I agree with the criticism that people, oh, it's only defending and how to use in competition. So I guess we have to put our money where our mouth is. And then luckily Raul was brave enough that let's do it, you know, mm-hmm. that he wanted to test. Uh, of course, it's weird to test defensive, you know, to give people stuff and then, you know, try to win after that. So you clearly give them a head start. So that's, yeah. you know, actually very brave. And Raul was actually kind of nervous before fights. He wasn't very talkative and, you know, because he had to take the biggest risk to wow. give, turn your back to unknown opponents. So he, he wasn't that relaxed because the price was big to pay. If he messes up, you know, the seatbelts and backs and, you know, so it, it wasn't that easy as people think, you know, it, it looked kind of easy, I guess. Yeah, um, he looked relaxed. Yeah, when he attacks, but yeah, he was really actually holding the elbows and stuff. Mm. So because he wanted to test and do a good job. And uh, I guess now he knows and maybe he's more relaxed, you know, a little bit because now he knows that they didn't get through, you know. Mm. So then it's a risk of becoming a little bit more cocky. And then he's prone to make more mistakes, actually. And, you know, by time he figures out how much is good, you know, the tension. Yeah. But definitely I'm not taking on the easiest, let's say, route. That uh, because defensive stuff is not easy to test in competitions. And that means giving something to opponents. And then we have to just know how much each competitor is willing to give to test. And then if they're better, they're willing to test more. Obviously, our goal is not to go to the competition and do this 10 times right. in the same way. Maybe we do it second time the same way. And then, okay, okay, went through and people adapt also. They know us, so they try different strategies. I think there's a might be different outcomes also because first it's like just people are surprised and second time they're ready. So it makes sense to do second time at least more. And then we'll see what we test. So definitely the attacking is part of that. And getting to, as very popular to say, offensive cycles and why defend at all? Why not go right away? But then how do you find out? So gym is one thing. I know what I can do in a gym and Raul knows, but competition Mm -hmm. is different. And so definitely we're not going to risk maybe as much as in classes. And who knows what kind of strategy Raul picks next time. I guess that sometimes defense comes out when people are forced to play defense. Mm -hmm. And then their goal, I guess, is to get back to the fight, survive all the attacks, and then get back to the offensive things. Mm -hmm. And that, that happened to the Alex in UK. You know, he was fighting one of the best UK brown belts. And uh, he was in trouble and he survived all the chokes from the back with the gi and everything and finally got back. He lost by points, but he survived and that was his best opponent yet, you know, and Mm -hmm. that usually demolishes people. This was the 30 minute video in the gi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll add the link to both of these videos. I'm sure our, our audience has seen it, both of these videos, but we'll add it just everyone in the show notes. 
So yeah, we can create it forcefully, like Raul, or they just happen because good guys, you know, that clearly Alex didn't went to the competition to test defensive stuff. You know, he was mm-hmm. fighting a good guy and he mm-hmm. was just trying to compete more after the Corona and everything else. But it happened that he actually had a pretty good success with the defensive stuff. So we will find out the truth or you know, let's say the more evidence just by forcing it by or by just it happens. Yeah, I think we're going to see more and more of it actually in open competitions as this uh, information has gotten out. For yeah, sure. but also uh, very scale. very famous, very famous is uh, Bendy Kajimir in you know quintet competition when they had mm-hmm. uh, five people against five. It's yeah. also on our YouTube. So he used Running Man and Turtle and everything else to weed out some people in a tournament. Oh, wow. He won the match and then he used the second time he was more tired. Then he used that defensive structures to shut down their attack and actually mm. he weeded out the good guy in uh, the quintet competition. So that's oh. also public. On, online so he's a black belt and former mma fighter there's more stuff people using it just like you know not more famous people doing that so that seems to be the problem that oh why is that you know super good guys are not using that or something so we'll see how it goes i don't know what's going to happen so one of the things I want to ask you about is your, what I really like is these, what used to be, I think, an experimental section of the site, or uh, yes. I, I think now it's a tag or something experimental. But it, I want to know your process of experimenting. And also, one of the ones that I really enjoyed was a Neon Belly video that you did, where you said, I, I don't know about this Neon Belly position anymore. And I believe it was an experimental video that you had done. You were sort of questioning the viability of Neon Belly. Uh, I still do. <laughs> ah, can you expand on that? Yeah, it's a weird position in that sense. I guess you can be there, but I also I can go to running man. I can sit up and I don't think there's an easy access to arm bars or chokes from Niambelli. And uh, I've been testing, you know, the uh, soon it will come out uh, the plot to the camp Estonian one when we did baseball choke defense uh, using mm-hmm. Hawking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if I do my Hawking right in the bottom, you cannot baseball choke me mm-hmm. and there's no X chokes. And so I find it's more like a riding position. But I don't know it's as a position position, you know, like YouTube usually shows it very weirdly that if somebody puts knee and belly, you push the knee away and then they get arm bars, you get underhooks and kimuras. Mm-hmm. So I'm always say like, why is the defender an idiot always in uh, flips? Like, why not show what, uh, you know, good guys are doing or how actually good defense should do? Nobody should push that knee away like that. So why would yeah, you even no show it? It's like somebody like not educated in jiu-jitsu would do that. I guess you can play knee and belly, but I'm, I'm saying it's more like a riding position. Position. It's not very like a solid as a pin, so to speak. But Jiu-Jitsu like teaches it. I guess it's from the old age when you had punches and you went knee and belly and you like rain down a bit. I guess that's why it's there as a as mm. a position. But I don't think it's you know even when when punches, I guess people can turtle and stuff and stand up and create scrambles because it doesn't allow you that much control. It gives you distance, I guess, to punch down or whatever. And I think people really have to see how I play it because typical like baseballs and whatever they do they're not there and only if i'm flat they can do and uh, youtube stuff seems to work but when you add a good defense there then i still think that attacks do work in that sense if somebody's you know listening but there has to be a different setup it's just attacking dead people is not usually you know mm. in any other sport you don't do it if somebody holds in boxing you just punch jab and cross you would go like yeah but i will defend it so in boxing we do you know this and then we learn to set this you know pick it apart you know with feints and mm-hmm. stuff and misdirections so why we're just attacking dead people in jiu-jitsu you know mm-hmm. oh there's a collar and then i go I, I if i do my hawking you can't have it and then there has to be a setup i'm all for how to do jiu-jitsu more like a wrestling boxing judo usually those sports they use setups 
And in yeah. jiu-jitsu, we have, I've, you know, typically it's like Toronto stuff. You fake left guard pass, you do right. I guess that's a setup. But how do you do it when you attack also? How do force myself to like go from one hawking, maybe go, go for a flat space and switch the side, but then you get me in a flat space, you know? Mm. How do you make me move there? So that sense, I'm still like, I don't know how to treat Niambeli because I don't think it's that powerful as people say. I think still, mm. if you're heavier than me, I guess it's uh, you can torture people. But I guess that's why we have weight classes. And if you're a heavier people and torturing smaller people with neon bellies, then also it's not normal, I think. I don't find it's a hard position to escape from with what I do. That's why I say it's like maybe it's not as solid as some side control pins in that sense. Can you expand on your process for experimentation? It's a broad question, but... Yeah, it is. Experimentation. So let's say the late armbar stuff I do, yeah? The late stuff, mm-hmm. armbar, re- reverse hitchhike, you know, and then you have a regular hitchhike. So that took me two, two and a half years to figure out. Wow. I guess it was a lot of tapping. And, you know, if people see me roll, they don't know what I'm doing, you know? Maybe I escape, maybe I don't. So they don't see the pattern that maybe I randomly test stuff. And then I think, and not, not every day is the vigorous testing, but... It took me two and a half years. And then it was just one day with some guys. We were like, just the class. We didn't do regular class, I remember. And there was like, let's just experiment. And then, oh, God damn it. It's this. So, mm. but it, it was in my head. I remember I have notes and stuff and I talked about it. And uh, Kimura uh, defense took us four years. Wow. Uh, it really bothered me because I couldn't figure it out. And last year we had a discovery of Hawking 2.0 and that allowed us to figure out the Kimura defense and so many other things. Actually, there's a flood of things that Hawking 2.0 allows us to do or defend. And, you know, the Panda was an experiment. I just saw Telus do it and then I started to play it. Right. And I don't, how to say it? You know, I'm not so selfless in that sense. If I say I don't mind losing, I guess I do. But I mind losing when I don't know why I lose then I'm getting really pissed. Mm. If I lose and I know why, then I just don't care. You know, experiments started with a panda. So I just put myself in a position and see what happens. And I don't actually know why, because I did panda example and I saw Telus do it. Then I started experimenting right away, started to work pretty good. And then it's the testing. And let's say if you see in my site, we have the new back stuff we're talking. Yeah. You see, it's like everything is systemized, so to speak. I can talk about techniques. They didn't exist like a year ago. You know, mm-hmm. I had to do a hawking and then figure out the techniques also. So that's been the fun part of actually adding structure structure to things and uh, rules. That's why sometimes things take a while because I have to figure out the rules. Okay, how? what's the common rules here? How we should play it, you know, and what's the exceptions and everything else and what we have to defend first layer and then what's the second game and, you know. So I guess Kimura was experiment. You know, somebody asked me like in a site, what about back triangle, you know? Then I just mm. put myself in a back triangle. Let's see what my initial thoughts are. You know, then Tom, it was an experiment on a site. Then Tom just chokes me like, a, I don't know, 20 times. My head is really, with chokes, it's really hard because it gets to your head. After they pump the blood to your head with chokes and stuff, It's the head is really, it's so tiring. And uh, then you go like, okay, because you don't see the bird eye view. You just see yourself and you don't see around you so much. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, mm, I, I guess a little bit, but I don't know. And then you watch the video, go like, ah, oh, actually here, here, angle is a little mm-hmm. bit there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you do it again. And I think I'm not saying that it's 100%, maybe back triangle, but I know I can do the early stages and I, I know why it works. And I think it has to be finalized in some point if I'm willing to do that. But I'm just curious. And I don't know why I'm curious or let's say the back stuff also when I roll because the back stuff is quite new. The hawking back stuff is quite new. I just give people my back. 
And I don't mind. I, I'm not trying to win. I'm trying to explore. Right. And I guess in some point, if I end up winning and reverse situation is also good, but I want to know. And sometimes I just, I want to know whole round. I'm going to just force myself to play and give up my back and then I tap and then I try to figure it out and how it works better and do mm -hmm. it again because I see the point of that. I see what a lot of people don't, I guess. I see a way that it would make sense and then I have to test it. And then I have to lose to f a little bit to fix, figure out some angles, the pressure here, pressure there. You know, because with armbar, reverse hitchhike, you kind of like, you know, you go here, get tapped, you go there, you get tapped. Finally here, huh, not getting tapped so much. Huh, there's something here. And you start to dig further, you know, but the willingness to just go and explore, I think it's, I don't know, I think everybody should do it because if you're grounded, you lose a lot because if some people are saying, oh, nobody has passed my guard in 10 years or, you know, I think, I think you should put yourself in situations where your guard gets passed or something, you know, I don't know if it's something that to brag about that. I don't know. I tapped all the time in a gym. I think it's a good example of why I also like experimenting because I experiment during roles and I think beginners need to know, let's say I'm a black belt. So that black belts, I explore, but I don't know everything I want to find out. And certain things for me are also new as a, you know, I'm not like a first stage jiu-jitsu because I know how it works in that sense. So I can discover answers, but it still will take me time and I have to lose to figure out some angles. Uh, back triangle, I think I remember the most, it just it was like annoying. And then I think we came to the pretty good solution in that sense that I can maybe avoid back triangles, but I'm not saying that the, the more back triangles gets locked, then I find myself in trouble more. So I'm not really confident in if they're really locked back triangle, but early and semi, I'm pretty okay. And I'm also I'm saying like I may lose and win also those cases early and late, early and middle, but then I know why I lost because I know what I have to do. The late one maybe is not so much figured out. It's a really broad question, but I just I love to find out because somebody asked me also that question that why you're so defense heavy and why you emphasize so much defense and it should be more about attacking and winning. I was like, uh, I usually tell that samurai story, but I will tell you this also that I asked them, wouldn't you want to know against all the positions and all the submissions that exist in jiu-jitsu early, late and mid answer? against all of those things. Mm -hmm. And uh, consider there not being thousand techniques. There seems to be laws that you can really make like chunks, you know, like Hawking answers already 30 things we know. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. every attack is a, a new answer. So wouldn't you like that, that you know everything they throw at, you know what to do. A lot of people don't because they just, you know, avoiding certain things and that's what defense is. But wouldn't you like to know? And uh, But usually the argument is, oh, it takes so much time because then I have to learn against 1,000 submissions, uh, 3,000 escapes because it's uh, early, mid, and late answers. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm saying actually, no. There seems to be like Hawking answers, maybe 50 of them at mm -hmm. once. So it's not like everything is like one answer. And then also why I like defense and exploration of defense experimenting with it because uh, you know the sam legend of samurai two samurais come to against each other you know that match and they sit you know and then and here after a half an hour one goes like thank you and i he goes mm -hmm. because he didn't find a way to win you know mm -hmm. if you go over all the whatever i want to attack he does this i want to attack this he does this and because you know if you both attack both can die but if you see a weakness, then you're going to attack that weakness. You see a way to win. But if you if you know, if you meet somebody that you go like, there's no way I'm going to submit this guy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. I think it's the most demoralizing feeling you can have in jiu-jitsu because what, what else is there, you know? You, right. And so that's why I also love the exploration of defensive positions to find out that what if we can create that right, I, right. ideally, you know, I don't know yeah, how many... Yeah how many years it takes. So that also That's kind nice. of drives my exploration and willingness mm-hmm. new to explore. And what's amazing is then I find, oh, it's the same goddamn hawking again. And then it inspires me because it can be simpler than people think. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, people should give up submissions and then I guess, no, uh, ideally you want to attack right away, I guess, you know, and win a competition. But if you get in trouble, you should know what to do. So that's my message. And I don't think that's the case in many cases that people right. just early and they want to attack and their defensive knowledge is not that deep, you know, at least yeah. uh, like a consciously, maybe they do something with experience based with feeling and they just know how to move, but it's hard to usually pass that information on to next generation because you don't understand actually why you're you know, safe and survive. Also, exploration, I think, selfless is uh, like a talk would be, I want white belts to suffer less or enjoy suffering more, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's one of the kind of ideal view of that. If I make white belts suffer, enjoy suffering more and they know what to do and next time they just try better, but they had the answer. And so I think more people will stick to jiu-jitsu because it's more enjoyable. But just as a willingness, I think the most thing is just a willingness to find out because I'm intrigued by having no answers, mm. you know, because let's go, let's go, let's uh, take a back triangle. If, some, if something exists, probably people call me out on that, but, you know, I, because I haven't like checked, you know, thousand percent, but let's say it's really hard to find the material about uh, back defense, uh, back triangle defense. Show me systematic defense in every stage early, mid, and late, or also between stages, show me against the back-to-back mount triangle. There's nothing. There's like back triangle videos about stuff, but there's no systematic. There's random stuff that people show here and there. I like this and like that, but it's not system, you know? And yeah. uh, I hate that. I really, I don't know, despise would be a very big word. But what do you mean there's no answer, you know? Mm. Well, why, why is there no answer? Why? Uh, because I want to know. And with some submissions, there's nowhere to turn to. I think even some maybe leg locks are even more studied as defensively as some upper body submissions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to find out, let's say, the Tarika Plata ones at the moment is really intriguing, I think, for some people because it's the Kimura that, Kimura that everybody thinks is unbeatable. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think so. I would say at the moment it looks like 85%, let's say, ready. We did an experiment at our gym and we ended up, everything kind of went to the one point that we have to solve now. We know what the, what the point is. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see when I'm when I'm taking that on. But I don't think there is unbeatable techniques, you know, there you can get out from our bars. So why not Tarika Platas, you know? And uh, what is the system, you know, but you can't find it. There's no, okay, how do I defend Tarika Plata, you know? So, but we know stuff, definitely no early ones, but if the more later ones, then, you know, let's say we have more trouble, but I think it's 85 but again, I can be wrong. It's gonna. I, maybe I thought that it goes go 85 and the 90 and 100. Maybe it's like, oh shit, it's a ceiling now. We have to go back and change something and come back. So, I, I don't know, you know. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I I think we're close, and uh, I want to find out because I want to have an answer when somebody asks, when beginners ask, or how do I defend this, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean I don't know? And I maybe I show some random timing answer. That's. That's not good for anything, you know? 
if there's a like armboard defense from the guard, it should be early, mid, and late. You know, not like oh, I have a defense ready when the you know when the stacking defense people do. You know, when they're ready, like they mm-hmm. the end and the stack. That's like you should have like a five options before this happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so armbars, I guess, are more studied in that sense. But mm-hmm. but I I want to have other submissions on platas. You know, torica platas, side chokes. The back stuff, the hawking is a twister defense. And it got tested right now with Raul Audu uh, with the 10 Planet Amsterdam. And, you know, they know more about twisters. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, the old stuff, you move the arm behind and then you go. Yep. And there's some mm-hmm. shortcut version that people tend to do. And we mm-hmm. tested it with him. He was very skeptical at first. He's my good friend. You know, Raul competed. So so he, we're, we know each other. And he was like, yeah, well, I don't know that. And then we tested. And then I, let's say... I escaped his twisters, yeah, and he was like he couldn't finish the twisters, and I also gave that class also in a ten plan Amsterdam gym, wow, and it was also a success that it still it was more people, and then we still tested and it still worked because I didn't know I haven't seen any videos or DVDs of fanatics or systems in YouTube. Okay, let's show me twister defense uh, layer by layer, you know, and how do we get out? I don't know that, but I have it. And uh, it's wow. been proved by 10 Planet guys also. So good attack, but how? Because if you do a twister in a gym, then somebody would ask, how do they defend it? I was like, yeah, don't get there, you know, but that's like a stupid answer. Mm-hmm. So that's also that is driving my experiment gene, so to speak, that mm-hmm. I want to find out. I don't want to end up like uh, answer less. I, I like that answer that I have that answer. I know what to do because I hate those, you know, kind of situations when I don't know what to do, you know, mm-hmm. I guess in life or something that I, you want to have a, you know, big enough skill bag that you can meet the, you know, problems in life and try to figure them out. But I, I hate those problems when you go like, oh, it's a critical problem and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then obviously the stuff you do is not very optimized for that situation and you will not make the best decision in that situation. So. So in jiu-jitsu, when your joints and your chokes and life is in stake, you should know what to do, you know? So that's kind of like a very short answer to your very not broad question. <laughs> so another thing you mentioned, well, it's a great selling point, number one, especially for a white belt. You know, sure, you might not get victory, but you can prevent, you know, their victory, right? You can deny them their victory. Yes. That's that's. That's so enticing. Another thing that you brought up or a person that you brought up was Telus. So I hear these recurring names with you sometimes. Telus, Gary Tonin, and Jeff Glover. Another, Glover. What was it about these individuals and how have they influenced you? What, what do you take from them? You know, what was sort of their contribution to, to these concepts in your, in your beginnings? I just overall the possibility, what's possible. I guess first you have to see what's possible that you have to see that, okay, defense is possible, that you can get out of stuff. So you have to see it, then you believe it, and then you start to search for it because the information about those things are very scarce and very random. If you watch some defensive, like escapes DVD, usually there's like a random escape here, random escape there, you know, that's like, I, I don't like those things. It's still nice to see the people's heads, but why random escapes? Why not mm-hmm. system, you know? So tell us, some people have said also, oh, that sport has evolved and now the back attacks are better. Yeah, Telus could also upgrade his back defense. And according to this, it's always going to be a battle, you know? Sure. So I, I, some people have said, yeah, Telus could have, you know, people would take his back these days. Yeah, right. 
So that's mm. uh, again hypothetical idiocracy, like somebody mm-hmm. says, you know. Yeah. So yeah. because it's like a it's like a street fight argument, like my you know, or my dad would beat your dad, you know, it's just like <laughs> right, 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 right. We, we never know. But Telus showed us what's possible in turtle, because Keenan, you know, and Salo Ribeiro, I think whatever he whoever mm. he fought. He has also lost, I guess somebody choked him out, but you know, mm-hmm. that's also happens. So I, I don't, I don't throw the baby out with a bathwater or whatever they say, you know? Yeah. So yeah. losing is, ex- is expected also, you know, high level, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's, it shows that back takes are not that easy. You know, if there's a system and good guys cannot just attack it because YouTube shows, okay, there's a turtle. Oh, I take his back and the game is over. You know, tell us kind of show that, you know, game is not over. There's a method in a madness. Uh, I guess Carrie Tonon and uh, Jeff Clover, they are the example of, even Jeff even more, I think, mm. of just how crazy the defense can be. Mm. Because his fight with Gio Martinez, yeah. you know, that's a crazy fight. Yeah. That Because Gio was attacking him with everything. Right. And then he got out. So in my mind, it's like, okay, how do we systemize it? How do we understand, you know, go early stage, late and mid stages, you know, because I think everybody can do that. I don't think uh, Jeff game is goofy at all. Hmm. And I think he has a very great feeling, but I haven't seen, you know, his DVDs that he explains it all the way he does. I think it's still, he shows like situations I do here and here and here. I haven't seen the like system out, so to speak. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think the DVDs, they don't show his system. But I think he has he has more stuff in his head. And Donon the same, you know, the very famous armbar, Scramble, Gron Gracie and Gary Tonon. Mm-hmm. I guess somebody also mentioned that maybe Tonon's there's some injuries and, you know, by doing those escapes, a lot of them in that sense, very late. So there's a price to pay maybe in the long run. But maybe also that, uh, you know, I don't know how Tonon developed that or because maybe that's his thing that he liked. And I would say without diminishing anything that Donon did, I think maybe it's teachable, you know, Hmm. that he doesn't have to figure out himself everything and then pay the price in the long run because he clearly, let's say, made mistakes and then he got injured to trying something. But maybe we can teach this to all white belts, in like early on. And then when they get to the black belt, they're like everything is in Carrie Tonon and Jeff Clover level, you know? And it's maybe there's a safer way to do them without getting, you know, injured because clearly those guys were also pushing the limits of, you know, finding things out how to escape. So that's what I'm kind of saying. And uh, so those guys are example, least the name that, that what's possible. And uh, I guess I call them also my evidence, you know, that... Mm. That if those guys can do it, then we see it on a high level. That makes it worthy to go search for it and to build a system around it. So I, I have to re-engineer it to make sense of it. Mm. So I'm that's what I'm using those people that uh, because I I need to see what's possible. And uh, high level competition is a is a good marker to see what's possible. And can we trickle down some of the knowledge to the you know so to speak, lower level, not, I mean, I don't mean white belts and, you know, blue, blue belts and stuff, but I mean like lower level because that's the highest level, you know, mm-hmm. just can people do it regularly in a, you know, normal level. So, because we don't, we still don't have, let's say a lot of great defensive exchanges. It's still, let's say scarce more. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, in wrestling these days, they do scramble drills and scramble camps, scramble camps. And 
we have like a crazy scrambles from NCAA wrestling happening each, like every day, you know, mm-hmm. and defensive scrambles. It's not that scarce anymore. It's not only Ben Askren doing his funny, funky things, you know, mm-hmm. but now it's like systems. They, they took Ben Askren, I guess, if I'm understanding it right, and then, you know, build on it and made systemize it. And, uh, yeah. and uh, then we, we now have more. But right. Ben was also, I guess, weirdly looked upon and, you know, whatever he did. But then he was also a little bit pushing it, you know. And so now it's appreciated what he did, you know, clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are scrambling way more these days than, you know, five or ten years ago. Yeah. And uh, we had a fewer people doing that, uh, like scientifically, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I think in Jiu-Jitsu also, we have some good exchanges. There's enough evidence, but it's not still like like everybody sees those things, you know. It's still mm-hmm. like a little bit random, you know. And uh it's considered more as a fluke when somebody does something defensively good. Mm-hmm. And it's not like uh, looked upon that it's normal that people escape really deep submissions and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, I escaped, but yeah, it was like a fluke or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it it's, it can be looked uh, upon differently that the attack has an equal chance of, I think, you know, some people challenge that idea, but I think it's equal chance of defense. And then I know what you do and uh, you know what to do and then we play. Mm-hmm. And then sport wins. And it's about how much things are trained. Of course, if you train the armbar more than I play, I train my defense, then maybe you have a higher chance of finishing submission. So then it's a question is like, how much defense should I train? And what would give me the more bang of my buck mm-hmm. than attack you all the time? So you don't have time to attack me uh, because I don't have time to get good at defense. So your offense has to be good. If you are put into defense, you should know what to do, you know? So you still have to train it. Uh, and how I address this is if you're already good, decent in attacks, it's kind of hard to get even better, that significantly better, you know? You get like small amounts and it, it doesn't give you a, a big effect in your role. Right. But it's easier when your attack is here and your defense is there. It's easier to raise the average of your skill by upping, you know, the, the defensive stuff, let's say. Mm-hmm. And because your defense is more solid, you actually are more aggressive in your attacks because you're willing to risk more because your defense sucks. You know, you know that you take risks that, you know, that then actually your defense is holding your offense back. It's right. like, you know, when you do like, you do like strength training, it's not all the time, all, only the quads. If you don't train your hamstrings, you know, you, you limit also the growth of your quads. I think, you know, if it's, mm. I think it's the right thing to say. If you do triceps, you have to do biceps, you know? Because they're opposites. Mm-hmm. So it's not, let's make the bicep bigger. Yeah, you will have so many dysfunctions in your arm. I think if you only train bicep, whatever, and the tricep is weak, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you have to, you know, train the opposites. And I think that uh, that idea is not somehow, it's not very common that it lifts your average by, you know, by doing, dealing with a defense. But uh, typical, I think, misunderstanding is like, oh, I... Uh, to make my guard better, I have to train my guard, you know? Right. No, no, no. You also can do your defensive stuff, like uh, not getting stuck in side control, turtle, escaping fast, surviving, not giving away anything significant after the guard pass. So you get back to your offensive cycle and you can be more aggressive. The typical example is MMA fight. You are not willing to box in MMA fight if you don't have a good wrestling because people take you down. Yeah. So, if you have a good defensive wrestling and good sprawl and, you know, underhook fight and everything else, you're willing to box way more. 
it's not going to be like, oh, I have to make my boxing even better. And then I still, you know, punch everybody in MMA. You go like, yeah, that's stupid. In MMA, we know that. No, no, no. Deal with your wrestling and be comfortable there so you can take risks more by punching. It's super obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in jiu-jitsu, I meet all the time the, those people that, no, 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 I want to make my guard better. It just, um, I know, but fix your defense. Don't get stuck. So I still think it seems to be a very strange idea to people that they don't want to, you know, it's not fun, I guess, in their mind to train defense. Uh, you know, in guard, you're like, you know, attacking and you're keeping guard in a, you're like in a dominant position, you can say. Mm. So it's, it is also comfort zone that they're, they're lacking in defense so much that it's so uncomfortable for them. Whatever they know about how to get better in side control, because they don't know, let's say, my my way of turtle, <laughs> panda, you know, hawking, how to, you know, give layers of layers of giving away stuff and then getting more stuck. But the early layers are pretty safe, you know, and then and they consider it very maybe uncomfortable that why I have to train my defense because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because uh, I think people don't know how to maybe, you know, in that sense, how to train defense. Mm-hmm. That it's not only in giving up cross face underhooks and starting from there, you know. Right. So I think there is a better way. And uh, I guess I'm trying to, you know, spread that message. Yeah. And clearly I, I haven't taken on the easiest route of the <laughs> resistance of the resistance I'm seems to getting, I don't know, from the common sense <laughs> part of, I think it's like super common. And I was like, oh, you guys see it that way. How come, you know? Mm. And uh, so, but I don't mind. It's, uh, I, I have to learn to express myself better. Also, if the criticism is misplaced, I just ignore it. So I'm still <laughs> doing my thing and I know what I can do. So I'm, you know, willing to spread the word and, and I have enough people working on my things that are vouching. And I'm always afraid that to be like, you know, echo bubble, you know, yeah, and that, uh, you know, that everybody's a yes man. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of that. So mm. I'm always saying like to people, like if something doesn't work, just you have to call me out right away and maybe we'll fix it. But I'm afraid of that a bubble that it becomes like, you know, like a cult. Yeah, we, we are afraid to test it. Then, oh, fuck, we, we fucked up. And now... I was the guy that talked about, you know, toes on a mat turtle, but mm-hmm. then we found seal feet are better in a very static first layer. Thank and then goodness. I was like, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> I have to, yeah, we have to change that. So I will always change my mind and I will try to follow the evidence and build it and we'll see where it goes. It's very interesting. Yeah. So it's like this podcast, the exploration, the building, finding good people, figuring out the answers. So it's a really yeah. like a really nice bunch of stuff that, the side effects of doing what I'm doing. I really want to get your perspective is how do you see the future of jujitsu going? I don't know. I think we're not there yet. I think there's, there's some ADC trials just this weekend, I think. Yeah. And you see like a actual new wave of jujitsu coming on, you know, mm-hmm. people like 18 years old and those Rutolos and, yeah. and the Mika Calvaos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they're coming up, you know, and some guys, they look old right now already. And uh, clearly there's a, there is a, you know, like the good guys that we know, they're like, oh shit, the young guys are giving them hell already. And so I think there's a, definitely we're not there yet. I don't think even that this young generation that comes, I think we have an even bigger potential, but clearly the sport is maturing a bit, you know, Uh, people are starting younger jujitsu. So they reach higher levels when they're 18 and 20. I started jujitsu when I was 25. I think what's the future of jiu-jitsu? I hope we have less questions. 
Hmm. And we have more stuff answered. You know, like what I said before that I want stuff to be answered. Like I'd say, uh, if you yeah, go yeah. like, show me the back, back triangle. So I, mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, I will try to do my part that we have less question to answer. Pertaining to what you were talking about was, uh, you know, again, another Reddit thing was, I believe it was Guy Mendez that was responding to a lot of criticisms about Cole Abate, right? Being a sandbagger is what some people, I guess, were calling him. And Cole is a art of jujitsu phenomenon, but he's 16 years old and thus he has to have a blue belt and he routinely defeats black belts like crazy. He just won ADCC. To your point, do you think there should be different sort of segments? Because I'm seeing such a gap to your point of young people and, you know, maybe some older people or some that were trained in a different way because the improvements of the dearth of information, instructionals, free information, data in general, in terms of just how to learn, the improvements in teaching modalities, in training modalities, in nutrition all those things, there seems to be like a Moore's law type of effect that I see happening where these, and, and eight, just starting younger. I mean, I'm hearing kids four years old starting and things like that. It's routine, you know? And so I'm seeing this hockey stick type of effect and a gap between, as you said, young yeah. and older or, or whatever. And that gap is huge now. So I, I'm curious if things need, need to be divided even more. Do we need like a pure amateur sort of league, a sort of mid sort of tier type of league, whatever you might want to call it, a minor league, and then a professional league? I don't have an answer for it because clearly, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, but I would say, I think the belt system it doesn't reflect anymore what's actually reality is mm. because those people are not blue belts anymore. And I guess the rule was that you don't give out black belts to, you know, if they're under 18, mm. but clearly when we have kids, you know, fighting in adults and just kicking everybody's ass and they're blue belts, that's also kind of a lie, you know, you know, belt system are messed up anyway, yes. but clearly that, that system needs to be looked at, you know, does it reflect reality? So that's one thing. But uh, who knows? I, I don't know. Actually, I've never, uh, never thought about it, that what will happen, because I guess young people are taking over and maybe the masters are starting already from 25 soon. You know, right now the masters are 30, you know, sure. And, uh, yeah. I, and so maybe the masters are like, oh, 25. Now you're old already. So how interesting. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's a kind of joke, but. So I don't, I don't know what's the future because clearly who knows if it's going to be like, you know, those kids coming up and then after five years, we have another leap, you know, just new kids are even crazier than old kids, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm interested to see how crazy it can get because, or if it would be the ceiling of this, but like you said, it's maybe nutrition, maybe lifting weights, you know, better information and everything else. So who knows? I don't think we're there yet. So. I would leave the open ending because I don't know. And I'm, I'm very interested to see how it all evolves. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, happy to be here at the moment and to see this kind of revolution even mm-hmm. in somewhat. And I'm happy, I guess, then we are doing the good job because the younger generation is actually beating the older generation. And that is one that we need for progress, you know, that yes. younger people are doing better. So I'm happy about that. If it would be other way around, that would be we're, we're diminish, diminishing art. We're like weeding out the art because the younger people cannot beat up the older people. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're coming with a vengeance. And I'm, I'm happy about that. That means we're doing the right thing and we're progressing the art. So yeah. I, I'm happy about that. Whenever it takes us, let's go. You know, we have to find out. Well, Preet, I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, I got a million more questions. So we got to do a part two. I'm happy <laughs> to do it. 
Awesome, man. So Preet, where can we get uh, more information about you and everything that you're down with? Instagram, uh, my name, Preet Mikkelson, Mikkelson. So Facebook, Preet Mikkelson, friend me there. I use my personal site for my both, you know, my travelings and my personal stuff, but it's more mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu, I guess. I'm working with Defensive BJ, so I'm there. That's my online site where I work with people. My YouTube channel, Defensive BJ YouTube channel. I have my DVDs, you know, in Fanatics. A lot of my stuff is free in Club Trotters in Action YouTube yeah. site. So those are channels that people can check me out. That Awesome. Well, Preet, I know that you've been uh, traveling a bunch with Globetrotters. I think you're the first Estonian in the United States since 2020 right now, now that we've opened yes. up a bit more. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you in Arizona. I'm going to be there too. I, I believe this week was Saturday oh, or Sunday, cool. whatever the hell. So hopefully we'll, we'll meet yeah. and uh, we can work on my defensive BJJ some more. Thanks so much for watching, listening out there. Don't forget to thumbs up, subscribe, do the whole thing. And I just couldn't be more honored to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Preet. Appreciate it. Welcome. Cool.